always nice. So it's really good to see everybody. Let's go ahead and open in a word of prayer. Ask God to bless our time together, and then we'll get into his word. Most gracious Heavenly Father, it is truly a privilege and a joy to be able to come into your presence through the, uh, the work of your Son, Jesus, and the power of your Holy Spirit uh, to study your word and to grow in our knowledge of, of you and who you are and who we are in you. Um, you know each and every person in this room. We all represent a lot of struggles, a lot of doubts and fears, a lot of hopes and a lot of dreams. You know us inside and out. And your will will be done in our lives. And and I just pray for those. Um, we we do want to lift up Don to you. Uh, that he's very sick and having a hard time breathing. So um, please be with him. Uh, please allow your healing to work in his life. Uh, and be with those who are taking care of him. Uh, we also want to pray for our brother Michael who is down in Florida. And I'm sure he's still struggling. We want uh, to lift him up to you as well. Thank you for all that are here. Thank you for the lunch that, that you provided. And we just pray that in the coming uh, minutes, uh, coming uh, days, that we will continue to grow in your knowledge and grow in your love and be able to go and share that love with others. So please be with us now in this time of study. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. So when um, <clears throat> you all know I work in the grocery stores. And one of the things that you can really see in the world that we live in today as compared to the the world that we grew up in, for some of you, some of us that are a little bit older, is that kids are bad. They've always been bad. We were bad too. But the difference was, was that my grandmother, if I was in the the grocery store with her and she told me to be still or stop grabbing those things or I'm fixing to take you outside, you knew what was coming. You was going to get a beat. You were going to get a whipping. You were going to get disciplined, you were going to get reprimanded, and you took it serious. And one of the things that I've noticed about kids today, it seems like, now I don't know, I'm not, this is maybe an overgeneralization, but kids are never told no anymore. They're never told, stop that, don't do that. They're never guided, given any type, type of guidance through discipline. And, and, it, and it shows. It shows uh, they're, they're bad. They tear up our store. They throw stuff around. They, they are constantly breaking things. They're constantly crying when they don't get their way. They're just unruly children. And the truth of the matter is, is we, as God's children, we often get unruly ourselves, do we not? And so sometimes we have to be told to be still. We have to be told to... Uh, stop doing things our way and do it the way that God commands us to. We have to be reminded that God is a loving Father and a loving Father disciplines His children, right? The Bible tells us that whom the Lord loves, He chastens or He disciplines. And the Bible says that if you are without discipline, then you are a bastard and not His child. God disciplines His children. So I want to start the class by reading um, a psalm. We're going to read Psalm 46 and and then we're going to go back into our study of the life of Christ, and, and we'll be in the book of Luke today. So let's look together at Psalm 46. It said, God is our refuge and strength. He is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains quake at its swelling pride. There is a river whose stream makes glad the city of God, the holy dwelling place of the Most High. God is in the midst of her, and she will not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. 
The nations made an uproar. The kingdoms tottered. He raised his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. Come behold the works of the Lord who has wrought desolation in the earth. He makes wars to cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariots with fire. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our stronghold. So just a couple of quick things that I I wanted to note about this before we get into our main study today is the fact that the world that we live in is tumultuous, is it not? Our lives, our finances, our jobs, our family, our health, the health of our loved ones, um, the state of our country, the state of the world around us is constantly in an uproar and we as God's children need to claim the promise and the fact that God is our refuge and he is our strength that no matter what's going on in the world around us God is there and he's got us and he is going to take care of us and one of the things it says in the, and and one of the things I do want to focus on is that verse 10 um if you have a King James Bible that you may be more familiar with it to say be still and know that I am God um, but the in the NASB, the translation I'm using, it says, Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Uh, another quick note in there, in verse 5, it says, God is in the midst of her. She will not be moved. I know a lot of ladies who claim that verse is their, their verse, but it's actually not talking about women, power, and God taking care. It's talking about the city of Jerusalem, the mother city. And, and the reality is, is that the kingdom of God, which is the theme that we've been discussing for the last three years, the kingdom of God is stable. The kingdom of God is eternal. The kingdom of God is not going anywhere. And it's being formed in us and around us at all times. And we, as God's children, need to rest in that comfort and that fact. No matter what's going on in the world around us, God's will is being done. I was thinking on the way over here today, we we're going to talk today a little bit about prayer as one of the ways that God speaks to us, uh, that we hear from God is, is in prayer. And the reality is, I hear people all the time saying God really doesn't answer prayers. And, and, and I, I can actually, I can testify to that fact in my life. Did you know that God actually does not answer prayer sometimes? Sometimes He tells you no. And so uh, most of the time in my own personal life, I cannot speak for any of you in this room, but most of the time in my life, all of the prayers that I've prayed to God that he has not answered has been because it was not his will for me. Like I was asking for things for personal sake, for myself. Uh, A lot of them were selfish requests. A lot of them were me asking for things that... I didn't need or wouldn't be good for me. So in, remember we was talking about how parents have to tell their children no sometimes. Well, one of the ways that God answered our prayer is he says no. Mm-hmm. And we don't like that because we're children and we want what we want and we want it now. But this <laughs> psalm is teaching us to be still and to trust God in no matter what. No matter what our circumstances are, we have to trust him. And it's not easy, is it? It's not easy at all. So what do we do? 
we recognize that God is God, that God is in control, and that His kingdom is being established in us and around us at all times. And for us. And for us. That's exactly right. And so we need to recognize that God is God and He is in control, and we have to learn how to be still. Now, why is that hard? Why is it hard to be still? Because we think we can fix everything, and, or we need to fix it, or we need to do something to fix this situation. Okay. We were talking about this last night. We want to, because of sin, we want to impose our will instead of God having His will. We think we can do something to change things and affect that change. Okay. Anybody else? Why is it so hard to just trust Him? The world revolves around us. Okay. So we, are, we are egocentric, and our fallen nature is about us, isn't it? That's very true. It's always about us. And so even in my prayer life, a lot of my prayers are about me. Have you ever noticed that? How many yeah. How many of you can, you can honestly raise your hand and say, yeah, I had a friend at church ask me the other day to pray for them, and I still hadn't done it. Right? Oh, yeah. Right? Because we hear people ask us to pray for them, and we go, okay, I'll, I'll pray for you. See, and I try to do, do it immediately because I know <clears throat> yes. I'm going to pray. Yeah, and that's probably the best thing. Yep. The, probably yeah, the best thing just, is just to pray for them. Well, let me just pray for you right now. Cause most I've of, gotten to where I'm, let me, let, let's pray on yeah. the phone even because I'll forget. The Bible, pray <laughs> together, for others. Yeah. More than yourself? Yes. Now watch. Think about a child. A child is all about themselves. The first two words they learn is no and mine. Yeah. Like that's the, that's the first two. Maybe dad, dad, mama. But right after that, it's no and mine. And no takes some time. Yeah. And so, as a, even remember, as a child, everything was about you. As a teenager, everything was about you. But something happens as we grow older and as we mature, or something is supposed to happen. And the thing that is supposed to happen is that we start realizing it's not about me. Right? Now, remember in our, our That's lesson... That's a hard concept anymore, to sure. teach and to accept. It is not about me. And remember last week when we were together, we were talking about the Good Samaritan. And what was one of the concepts that Jesus was pushing on the disciples in that teaching? It's about God and others, not about me. So if God is at work in our life, if we are truly being sanctified, which means being conformed to the image of Christ, if I am growing in my Christ-likeness through the power of the Holy Spirit, then it's going to be evidence by my dying to self and living for God and others. It's going to happen in the same way that a parent is finally going to learn at some point to put aside their desires for their child. Right. You see? And God showed us that example by sending his son to die on the cross to save us. Yeah, Jesus showed us that example. He put everything aside for us. And so... We have to learn to trust him, but our default position, our default nature is to trust in ourselves. Just like Lori said just a second ago, it's about what I need to do. Even the Philippian jailer, what did he cry out to Paul? What must I do to be saved? (laughs) And what did Paul say? Trust in God. It's not about you, it's about him. And so we need to learn to trust him. 
We need to learn to be still and know that He is God. And so if you get a chance later this week, read back through that psalm and think about what it's saying. Every time I turn on the TV, every time I turn on social media, every time I talk to my mom, every time I talk to uh, my friends at work, the whole world is collapsing. And everything is going to hell in a handbasket, if you will. But the reality is God's kingdom is going nowhere. And it's being established before our very eyes. And what does it look like with the kingdom of God being established? It looks like the world around us dying. Because His kingdom will come and His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's going to happen. And so we just need to learn to trust Him. So with that said, let's go ahead and turn back to our study of the life of Christ through a harmony of the Gospels. And we're going to go back to the book of Luke. We're going to be in Luke today. And we're going to work a little bit in Luke 10 and a little bit in Luke 11. So we just finished up the parable of the Good Samaritan. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, verse 38 through 42. And this is what it says. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet listening to his word. But Martha was distracted with all of her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. All right. So this is one of the first times that we're introduced to Martha and Mary. Who else is a member of Martha and Mary's family? Does anybody remember? Another important person? He died. <laughs> he certainly did. And what happened to him after he died? He Jesus rose him from the uh raised him from the dead. Right, he rose him from the dead. He raised him from the dead. What's his name? That's why I said he died. What is that guy's name? Oh, what is his name? Somebody come on. Do you know no, I, I, I do know, but... I do too. Yeah. Well, you guys know. Yeah. Let me think. Who said it? Lazarus. There you go. Lazarus, Lazarus come Lazarus. forward. And Jesus called him. So this is Martha and Mary and their brother Lazarus. His house. And what you'll find is, is in the in the uh, ministry of Jesus, oftentimes he would pull up at Martha and Mary's house and, and stay there to rest and eat and to, to visit and to, to fellowship. So uh, it says, they were traveling along, he entered a village. Now, who is they? Who is traveling with Jesus? The disciples, good. Now, that's very important for us to remember. What is a disciple? Someone who is under the discipline of a teacher, right? That's what a disciple is, someone who is under. So what, how, what does it take to be a disciple of Jesus? You have to follow him, right? Take up your cross and follow me. So they're following him. They enter a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Right? Do you think this is the first time? I do not know. This is the first time that Luke introduces them. But I I don't know if this is the first time that that they entered there. So Martha welcomed him into her home. So Martha is hospitable. Is that a characteristic of a Christian? Yeah. 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 What does it mean to be hospitable, Jay? Nice. Yeah, be, be nice. Well, provide. Is, yeah, to, to provide, be, for, to provide for guests. It meant something more to them, though, back then. It meant you're under their protection. Yeah. You come into your house. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. 
Yeah. You were, I didn't know that. They took it seriously. Yeah. I didn't know that well, we yeah. remember the story a lot. What right. do you do? He said, I'll throw my daughters out to y'all before I'll let That's y'all. That's awful. Hurt. I hate that story. <laughs> I know it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I'll, but but it was a there's a guest host relationship, and as a as the Incredible. host, you were responsible for the guests that were in your house. Yep. If y'all ever heard the story of uh, the the Iliad, uh, yep. Homer. Uh, the reason that the whole war started was because there was a violation of the guest host relationship between Troy and Sparta. Yeah, yep. yeah, went. So it was very important that you you take care of your guests. So she invites him into the house. Now, it said she had a sister called Mary who was seated at the Lord's feet, listening to His word. Right? What does it mean to be seated at the <clears throat> Lord's feet? Submissive. Okay. There's a there's a there's an expression of submission there, right? Very intent, very, you know, sitting there and listening. Oh, is it like when we sit in the front row at church? Yeah. Yeah, you're sitting under Terry's feet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, very much so. So, you're learning. Uh, my, my dog is very much support, like that. Like when I sit Are at my desk, she lays her head on my foot because she knows if I get up that I'll wake her up. I will. You're not going anywhere without her. I'm not going anywhere without her. So Mary is very attentive to what Jesus is doing. What do you think Jesus is doing here? Teaching. Yeah. Is that what it says? Uh, Right here in my book it says, uh, talking about Mary and Martha, Martha was the uh, industrious concern about detail, while Mary was the contemplative one, treasured sitting at Jesus' feet listening to him teach. Okay, listening to his word, right? That's what it says in verse 39. So, what was uh, what was Martha doing? She had guests in her house. She was making sure everybody had something to eat. She was making sure that the table setting was right. right? She was making sure that nobody had... She probably, if, if she's anything like women I know, she probably was grabbing somebody's tea glass before they were finished with it and taking it to the sink. Trying to feed them like yeah. everybody's grandma. Yeah, like grandma. You had anything to eat. That's what my grandma First always thing asked. She said yeah. when you walk in the door. You had so anything? This is not Mary's like Jesus' mama, right? No, 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 no. Different, different Mary. Mary. Yeah, different Mary. Mary and was a very popular name back then. So, here we are. We have this big gathering. Jesus is there, and what is Jesus doing? He is sharing His word. Now, what does it mean? What is what is Jesus' word? He was speaking, but what is His word to us? How do I hear from Jesus today? By the Bible. By the Bible. That's how I hear from him, through his word. Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path, right? So how do we get his word today? Through the Bible. Through the Bible. All right. Now, how does Jesus speak to us today? That is something we want to talk about for a few minutes. How does Jesus well, speak to us today? First from the Bible, but through fellowship. Okay, through fellowship. He speaks to us through fellowship. Through the Holy Spirit, too. Through the Holy Spirit. When you pray and ask for guidance and you're patient and quiet, you may get that guidance. So, All right. So um, in Reformed circles, we we talk about something known as the means of grace. Means of grace. Explain that, please. So you mean through um, communion? Okay. Does does Jesus speak to us through communion? The word of the sacrament. Yes. Baptism. Does Jesus speak to us through baptism? Correct. Yes. Yes. Does Jesus speak to us through prayer? Yes. yes. That's a means of grace. What about preaching? Absolutely. All right. So, if Lori is sitting on the front row at the feet of Terry at church, mm-hmm. right? Pretty close. Right. In a sense, she is 
under the word. She's doing exactly what Mary was doing here. She was at the feet of Jesus. Now, Terry is not Jesus, but he is one of his disciples. He is one of his called ministers. And when Terry speaks from the pulpit, he is speaking the word of God. If as long as he's reading the Bible. That's also why the whole pulpit, too, because we are literally under the word of God at that point. So, how does God speak to us today? Through the means of grace. He speaks to us through baptism, through communion, through prayer, through the preaching of the word, and through the word of God. He speaks to us in in secondary ways. He speaks to us through providence. He speaks to us through fellowship. Can God use one of your brothers or sisters to... Fellowship is so very important, yes. Right. Well, we see that here, don't we? What are they doing? They're having a meal. Yep. Right. We like to have meals. We like to eat. One of the bonuses of coming to this Bible study every Tuesday, you get a lunch, right? I mean, it's nice. It is nice. It's nice to have. We go to parties. We go to social <laughs> events. We go to gatherings together and hang out together. Dinner after church. Dinner after church. We we love those kind of things. Why? Because we're we're created to be in fellowship with one another. We're created to be a body, right? Not just a, a single, a body. And so that's a part of the Christian life is that fellowship. So God speaks to us through his word. And that's where Mary is right now. She's at Jesus' feet. She's listening to his word. All right. Now, how does Jesus... So the word is one of the means of grace that God uses to get to us. Now, I want you to think about this. Grace is a gift from God. It is a gift that we cannot earn. It is a gift that we do not deserve. But it is a gift that anyone can have if they will only receive it. Okay? So let's say that again. Grace is a gift from God. What do you do to get a gift? Nothing. Nothing. You receive it. You see? So, the means of grace... Are the things that God has given to us so that we can know Him. That's what a means of grace is. It's a means that God uses to reach us. Now, remember what we said early in our lesson. One of our default set positions is that we want to do something. And what we need to understand is... That's being expressed in this story of Martha and Mary. What is Mary doing? She's sitting at the feet of Jesus listening to his word. What is Mary doing? She's trying to do something. To be Martha? Uh, Martha. She's trying to do something. Well, that's that's kind of natural. It is natural. I mean, women take over that responsibility. You know, when you come into their house, you know, just like you're saying, your grandmother says, if you have to eat, That's that's just a... Trait. Right. And it's, it's a learned trait. And is there anything wrong with that? It's a good trait. No, it's a very good trait. Yeah. Uh, there's no place in the world that a grandson would rather be than a grandma. Because she, I, I remember when I was a kid, my grandma used to give me a peanut butter, a uh, jar of peanut butter and a butter knife and a box of vanilla wafers. There you go. And I would sit down on a, sun, a Saturday evening and watch Lawrence Welk, God help us all. And Lawrence, right? And he all, yeah. And I'd yep. sit there with that box of vanilla wafers and eat vanilla wafers and peanut butter till I that's right. popped. 
but my grandma always made sure there was vanilla wafers and peanut butter in her house and a big glass of milk. And so we love grandma and because she provides for us. She she gives us she gives us comfort. But we need to understand that God has given us these means of grace for our comfort. He has given us his word. He has given us prayer. He has given us baptism. He has given us communion. He has given us the preaching of his word as means of grace. These are the things that God has given to us so that we can know him. And what we need to understand is the moment that I turn it around and focus on what I'm doing to get to him is the moment is no longer a means of grace, but a means of merit. This is what I'm doing to earn or know God. When we turn it around on its head and make it the steps that I use to get to God, it's no longer a means of grace. It's a means of merit. So I want you to think about Martha and Mary. Martha is busy, busy, busy. Mary is sitting at Jesus' feet and listening to his word. Now, remember, just last week in our lesson, Jesus told us about the Good Samaritan. And the Good Samaritan did some things, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He saw the man on the side of the road. He recognized that he was in need, and he provided for his need. He put him on his donkey. He took him to the inn. He bandaged his wounds. He did things. But they were expressions of God's grace for this other man's life. And so this Samaritan was taking the things that God had done for him and turned around and was sharing them with others now. So it's not like I can just be a Christian who just sits on my hands and does nothing. There are things required of us, are there not? If you're truly saved, that is very difficult to do. Yeah. To just sit on your hands and do nothing because that's not where our heart is. Our heart is... God and others. And at the other end of the spectrum, the Samaritan wasn't doing anything to earn any kind of grace. He was just <laughs> passing on what God had done for him. Like Good. Said. All right. So we get that. So what is a means of grace? A means of grace are the things that God has given to us so that we can know him. And let's talk about how God gets to us through these means of grace. So number one, what do we say? The word. Mary is here. She's sitting at Jesus' feet. So how do you, as a child of God, use the word as a means of grace? How do you do that? Study. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not be. Say that again. Study to show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not be ashamed. I don't know if it shows me I'm approved or shows me I'm a sinner, but, you know. Be in church. Yep. All right. So how do we... As children of God, use the Word of God as a means of grace. The Word of God. Now, going to church would be no, under sitting, the preaching. Sitting under the preacher. Yeah. Yeah. So, how do you give me an example of a way that you, as a child of God, can use the Word of God to grow in grace? Dave said it. Study. All right. How many of you in this room read your Bible every day? Don't don't raise your hand. Don't don't brag or boast. No. But I'm asking you as a, a, a question for you to ponder. Are you in His Word every day? All right. I use the example a lot of times that it is very easy, very easy for me to sit and watch a, a Netflix series. Like I can binge for 18 hours 
on something on Netflix, right? I, like, I literally have sat and watched a whole series and went at, like, 18 hours of binge-watching a show on Netflix. But how many of us have binged on the Bible for 18 straight hours? Right? Well, let's just make it a little more reasonable. Most movies are two hours, two hours and ten minutes long. How easy is it for me to sit and watch a movie? Is that pretty easy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very easy. But how easy is it for me to sit and read my Bible for two hours? That's not as easy, is it? What happens? What happens when we try to read the Bible? But you can involve yourself in learning other than just reading. Reading can become tiring. Whereas in this environment, we are learning. Okay. Well, also when you're watching television, you're turning your mind off. Your mind's not engaging like it does when you read. When you read something, it takes effort, and you're reading that. Right. And then on top of that, you need to learn what it says so that you can apply it. Okay. So then you got to figure that part out. So what happens when I take my Bible and try to read it? What, what are some? You get distracted. Did get distracted? And I want you to look again. Yep. Uh, in verse, verse 40. 41, 40 and 41. What do you think about this series, The Chosen? I mean, is that? Because I don't like to watch. You're trying to read. distract me, Lori. No, I'm not. <laughs> You're getting me like off task. I don't like to read or watch something because it sticks in my head. So I usually ask. A godly man, their opinion before I do it. The the chosen like is a, a, a very okay. So here's my here's my opinion about the chosen. First of all, it's written by Mormons. Oh, it is. All, all right. right. So it's going to have some heretical teaching in it. Okay. And number two, uh, almost there. If, if that, this is my concept on anything like that. If the crowd is running to it, then Jesus is probably not in it. Okay. That's why I asked. Because if I read a book, like I was going to read The Shack, and I was told not to because it's not biblical. But when I read something, it sticks in my head, and I don't, I'm learning the wrong thing. All right. So So I always ask before I read a book or watch a godly movie before I do it, because I don't need those thoughts stuck in my head. So, so. Some people would tell you that even even a movie about Jesus is a violation of the really? second commandment. Really? Really? Yes, yes, an image okay. of Jesus okay. is not. Someone would tell you that. Um, I have used in the past in um, ministry with teenagers, I have used um, movies before, like The Pilgrim's Progress. I've let them watch The Pilgrim's Progress. Um, I have used, I have actually, I've got... Um, four movies, the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel of Mark, the Gospel of Luke, and the Gospel of John, that are movies that I've shown to my teenage groups. Now, those movies are literally, they take the Bible and they read it word for word. So the Gospel of John is starts off, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it reads the whole entire book of John in about two hours and 20 minutes. So, I'm not so sure if it is great, but I do know this. I can get teenagers to sit still for two hours and listen to a whole book of the Bible being read. Wow, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not... I had I had a, an event. Uh, there's a place, I think it's called Tabernacle at Whitfield, or used to be. Yeah. And they have a, a passion play, or they did have a passion play. Um, and it's pretty realistic, and in it, they literally have a cross, and they have a guy who happened to turn out to be the guy that comes to my house brother. But I didn't know that at the time. I didn't even know the guy that comes to my house. But the point I'm trying to get to was 
if that was a conversion period of my life, not that a whole life is not a conversion period, or not that I'm out of it now, but there was an event in there where they're taking Christ to the cross. And the way the thing's set up, there's a the stage is up here, there's a thing in the middle, and a thing around this way that you can go all the way around it. I was sitting on a chair, I'll see, and they come, and Christ is coming along, and a guy, and I swear, I think it's uh, Matt, because he looked, he just looked built, he was big built, you know, and he was kicking Christ, and I wanted so hard to get up and slug this guy. No. I just, I was raging and crying. And I said, this is not audience participation. Okay. But that, but there was a movement in me, and that was caused by that. Yeah, so, it's, it's an emotional response. Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to those things, Lori, again, I think most of those things are distractions. Or just don't. I think most of them are distractions. They're very easy. for They, they appeal to our emotions. But if the Word of God is not in it, then it's not of God. So, and they can, the devil can actually take the words of God and use them to, to distract us. Right, exactly. And worse misleading. And I've been warning some folks about that recently. So, when you, when you look at this, really it's not. the word of God appeals to his sheep. He says, my sheep know my voice and when I call they come. And so... One of the things that we need to understand is is that it's God's word that should be the focus. And oftentimes when it comes to these movies, when it comes to these uh, plays, it comes to these things, the word of God is not the focus. And so they're just sideshows, if you will. Mm-hmm. They're just distractions. I did not know the shows was written by one. So with this... With this story here, what we're seeing is is that Jesus tells, he says, The Lord said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things, but only one thing is necessary, for Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So, what are we saying about that? We're saying that this movie, The Chosen, is the latest and greatest new thing that everybody is being attracted to, but it'll pass away just like everything else. But the Word of God is eternal, and it lasts forever. So, how does God speak to us? What is the means of grace that he uses here? The word of God is the means of grace that he uses. And what you'll find is, is that it's very easy for us to go sit and watch a play. It's very easy for us to go and watch a movie. It's very easy for us to do all kind of things to stay busy. To keep our emotions uh, racing. But when it comes to the Word of God, when it comes to studying and knowing His Word, it's not as easy for us to do that. We are very quickly distracted away from it. My my study Bible says Mary had an attitude of worship. Okay, so how how is it? Let's get this done because I want to get into talking about prayer too. But how is it that you as a child of God can sit at Jesus' feet and hear His Word today? Go to church. Okay. In the front row. <laughs> so be under the preaching and teaching of his word. And how about 
Dave, you Probably. said study, reading and yeah. studying the Bible. All right, are we doing that today? Are we yes. studying the Word of God? Yes. So we are growing in our knowledge of what His Word says. You as an individual, how many of you have a Bible reading plan that you use? We have one. All right. Okay. So um, I, every year I read through the Bible, and I use different pl- reading plans, and I use different translations of the Bible every year. This year I'm using the Legacy Standard Bible. Uh, last year I used the NIV, I've used the ESV, the King James, the New American Standard Bible, the Geneva Bible. Like I've used different translations every year to read through. How is the legacy good? It's it's all right. Yeah, it's an NASB. Yeah, I'm just... it's an NASB, and it, and they put Jehovah and uh, or Yahweh instead so of Lord in the Old Testament. Okay, yeah. it's fine. It's a good. What, it's a good what translation. version is that? It's called the Legacy Standard Bible. It's been put out by MacArthur's people, by by the folks out there at Grace Community. And it's just a translation. Basically, what they do is anywhere in the Old Testament where it uses L O R D in all capital letters, which is what our Bibles do now, it'll just use the word um, Yahweh. The, the the name of God, and so it's 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 a decent translation. I'm enjoying it so far, but the point being is what I'm, the point I'm trying to make here is this: I'm spending time in God's Word every day. I'm doing it, and I'm encouraging others to do the same. Have you read your Bible today? Did you read your Bible this morning before you came to Bible study? Okay, all right. Well, I'm I'm not condemning you for that, but what I'm saying is. How many distractions are we focused on during the day as opposed to God's Word? Like, that's the the contrast between Martha and Mary. Martha is busy about all kinds of stuff. I'm going to give you an example of that for this morning before I came to Bible study. Before I came here today, um, I have several things that I read every day. Um, I have a reading plans that I read in my Bible reading plan. I have some books that I'm reading in one year. I have some books I read in eight weeks. And it I, altogether, I try to spend about three or four hours a day reading and studying God's Word. I try. I don't get it done every day. But this morning, when I sat down to do that, I looked outside and noticed that my bird feeders were empty and that my bird uh, bath needed to be cleaned out and needed some water in them. So I went out there and changed the water in the bird bath. I, I added some feed in the bird feeder. Then I came back down and sat down and realized that I had not had my first cup of coffee yet. So I went and got my coffee cup and, and well, and I had my cup of coffee. And then I sat back down and I looked and noticed all the dust on uh, the floor and decided I needed to clean the floor up and sweep the floor. And so what, is, what am I doing? I, 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 it's so easy for me to procrastinate and be distracted and yep. find all kind of things to do except for what I'm supposed to be doing, which is study His Word. Right? And what I forget is this. I get to work sometimes, and I work a 10-hour shift, and I'm aggravated all day that I'm at work, and I can't be at home studying and reading. But the reality is if I was at home, I probably wouldn't be studying and reading. I'd be doing something else. But... Is work something that I need to do? Yes. yes. I need to earn a living. I need, if I don't work, I don't eat. That's what the Bible tells me. But I get to work, and then I get resentful at work that I'm not able to read my Bible, when in reality it's not work that's keeping me from reading my Bible. It's the, all of the opportunities that I have when I'm not at work that I could be doing it that I do something else. There's all kind of distractions out there. When it comes to the Word of God. And that's what this little story is teaching us. It's teaching us that Mary chose the important thing. She sat at Jesus' feet and she learned from Him. And Martha was distracted by all kinds of stuff. 
by what? Her duties. Her, she thinks are by worldly things. Worldly things, necessary. Are the placement settings right? Yeah. You know, are my guests being taken care of? All of those are important things. They're, they are important. But what did Jesus say? Mary has chosen the good part, which will be forever. Which will be forever. Like all, like, like I can promise you this: if I leave my house, there's more dust going to gather, and the bird bath is going to get dirtier, and the birds are going to run out of seed. But God feeds the birds. I don't have to really worry about feeding the birds. Like God's going to make sure they're fed. Do you think sometimes He uses us to take care of His other creatures? Yeah, well, He certainly does. But <laughs> the important, the good part is the thing that lasts forever. What lasts forever? The things of God, the kingdom of God. The word of God lasts forever. And so I need to make sure that I'm focusing on the good part. So, again, I want to I look at all of the different means of grace and the story of Martha and Mary. So, number one, the word of God. Number two, the preaching of the word. That is a means of grace, is it not? Yes. So, going to church and listening to the pastor preach is a means of grace that God has given us. Is it... Can I get distracted at church? Of course. Are there other things that get they, they? So, are there things that people are doing at church that are a distraction? Yes. Sometimes I get just give me an example. In the Bible, just keep on. The kids uh, not minding their kids. Yeah. You in front of you. Okay. It's a distraction. Yeah, that can be a distraction. And right. you sit there and think, "Gosh, felt my kid." Yeah. Right. And your kid has probably ticked somebody doing off. Doing the, the same thing game. else. Yeah. Sorry. All right. So. Can we get to church and find all kind of things to do besides what? Yeah, besides yes. worshiping? Absolutely. Yeah, we can get busy. Most of you in this room go to a Presbyterian church, and I can tell you from attending a Presbyterian church for five years, and my Baptist family is no more or less guilty. Can we form a committee and figure out something, like make a plan, get a plan in place? Mm-hmm. Like, we're about anything. <laughs> we're about anything. Like, can we sit and discuss for 30 minutes what we're going to serve at the luncheon next week? Like, you see what I mean? Like, there are all kind of ways that we can get distracted from doing what the 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 thing that's going to last forever. What's going to last forever? The word of God being proclaimed. The word of God being fulfilled. That, that is. Like for getting the lunches and the people together for the fellowship is a godly thing to do. No doubt. And Martha here had set the stage for them to come there. When Jesus went, he knew he was going to have a place to rest. All those people went there. And and you have to hand it for Martha. She clean, kept a clean house. She was clean hospitable. House and she was ready to serve them something right. to eat and drink. She was hospitable. That's she right. was. Is Jesus chiding her for asking him into the house? No. Is Jesus chiding her for having a nice meal? No. He was saying what was more necessary. Was he was showing what was more important. It was more important. So, well, look okay, what she says. She says, my sister has left everything for me to do by she myself. She and she's not supposed to do that. She should have just kept doing what she was doing. At she's least. an old Jewish mom. She should have been well, listening yeah, to, yeah. to Jesus. No, what she should have done is she should have sat down with her sister and listened to what Jesus was right. saying. Well, that right. She was Jesus grumbling. Was and that, I that is what he's saying. That's exactly that what he's saying. All right? And so... Instead of me looking at myself, instead of me looking at social media while I'm at church, because they have Wi-Fi at church now, so you can get on your social media no, while you're at church. Or right, I, I can't. I, got I'm sitting right under I can't tell you the number of times that I've been. I don't bring my iPad at church anymore because I can't tell you the number of times I've been at church and, and one of the pastors or an elder recommended a book or something, 
and I went straight to Amazon to make sure either I had it on Kindle or logo or how much it costed for me to buy a copy of it. Like, you know, that's a distraction. I chased a rabbit instead of listening to what the preacher was saying. Right. I went after a book that he had recommended. I mean, I'm guilty of doing that all the time. Or we sing in a song at church, and then I Google the author and see if I got it on my Apple Music. Like, if I got that album on my in my music collection. Like, it's very easy to get distracted when it comes to to studying the Word of God, and it's very easy to get distracted when we're sitting under the preaching of the Word of God. Children making noises. Right I, now, listen. I, I'm a part of a church. I think y'all are too. Where the children well, I don't know if the Presbyterian Church does it or not, but we at our church, all the kids come to church. Like, even the little ones that cry and scream. Like, and there'll be kids down there on the floor, like, playing with toys and coloring and doing things like that. Yeah. That, that, I never grew up in that when I was a kid. My mom would have grabbed me by the ear and pulled me up. Yeah. Like, and said, right. no, you're not. So, so I, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know whether I agree with the just letting the kids do whatever they want to do. I think they should sit there and get their leg pinched if they're not paying attention. Yeah. But that's just me. Like, that's, well, <laughs> that's what we do with ours. There's a point in the child's, you know, development that they're too young to learn that. I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I really I mean, don't know. Nursery, I mean, you know. I can tell you this, as a kid, I can remember being at church and sleeping on my mom's coat. Like my mom used to wear a fur coat all the time. I used to get pet that coat and sleep on that coat while I was in church. Or my granddad, who always smelled like peppermints and and aqua velva, you know, or Old Spice or whatever. I can remember sleeping on his shoulder in church as a little kid. But I can also remember a lot of the things that were preached in that church. I was about while to say, I, I remember the doxology from when I was little yeah. over at Hull Presbyterian. Yep. I mean, we did. I yep. just remember all the church yep. service and the whole church order my whole life. Sure, it, it, it's impressed upon you. Do, do you know? How, do you know how hard it is for me to say? We, um, so we still we just did the uh, Apostles' Creed last week mm-hmm. at our church, and. At the Baptist Church, the yeah. Apostles' Creed is a little different than it is at the Presbyterian Church, yeah. right? We, we say he, uh, in the Methodist Church, they say he descended into hell. We say he descended into the place of the dead. At the at the Presbyterian Church, they say we believe in the Holy Catholic Church right. at our um, the universal the Universal Church. Like there's different words, but it was so impressed upon me as a kid yeah. how it was said exactly. that it's hard for me to say it. So you do learn. Same thing with the Lord's Prayer. We went with the whole um, transgress against us, right? That was the whole thing. And now in modern translations, it's a little different. Okay. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, and so From a little kid. When, even learning, learning memory verses when I was a kid, I still quote King James. And the Catholic. Uh, right? Because that's what I memorized as a kid. So, I, yeah, I do think that there are a lot of times that kids are like down in left field, but you don't know when that is. And it's. I think it's important to have them in the service. I personally think they should be roped in, and I got my leg pinched a bunch of times when I was a kid well, for acting, acting up in church. Me too. Oh, yeah. Kids need to learn to behave and need yep. discipline. Yep. We have the yep. children in for part of the There's service, a point but they have the going the whole to children's church. Right. Well, if they're not acting right. So I can tell you this. I do know that it's also important for a parent because little Johnny's sitting there listening to the preacher say that uh, that dad's supposed to love mom, and then right. they get home, and they're sitting around at dinner table, and, and little Johnny said, hey, daddy, didn't the preacher tell you you shouldn't be saying that to mom? <laughs> like, you know, like, in other words, dad's accountable for what's being preached when little Johnny's sitting there next to him hearing exactly. it preached. Like, as the whole family is being edified in that situation. 
And so it is important. Um, so that's two things that we've looked at. We, we think about the means of grace, one being the Word of God, the preaching of the Word of God, prayer, communion, and baptism. Those are all things that God has given us so that we can know Him. So really quickly, baptism. How is baptism a means of grace? How can we be at the feet of Jesus when we see someone get baptized? Well, I'm sitting in a room with a bunch of pedo baptists, but the reality is it is a it's a symbol of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, is it not? It's a it's a a reminder of the gospel that Jesus came, he died on the cross, he was buried, the third day he rose again. Mm-hmm. All right? And when we see someone get baptized, it, we're we're hearing we should be hearing Galatians two twenty uh, you know I'm crucified That's with Christ it's no longer I that live but Christ that lives in me and the life I now live I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me so I'm dying with Christ I'm being buried with Him and then I'm being raised again as a new creation. And so that's the priest. So Dave, you talked about that play, that passion play. Mm-hmm. That was a picture of the crucifixion of Jesus, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Well, we've already been given that picture in baptism. And we should be just as edified. We should be more edified or gratified in seeing a, 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 a new member becoming a a child of God, or not becoming a child of God, but expressing their, professing their, their faith as a child of God through baptism. So Jesus is definitely in that. Same way with communion. What is communion? A picture of the body and the blood of Christ. And he's given that to us as a way to remember what he's done for us, to remember that we are also drinking of the same cup that he drank, right? That's what he said. He said, as long as you drink of this cup, have you ever thought about that when they say that in communion? The preacher says that as long as you drink this cup and eat this bread. Right. right? And what's funny is we don't drink the cup, do we? I take the cups home. My cat loves communion cups. Like I can buy $500 cat toys and my cat will never touch them, but I can bring home that little plastic glass and set it on my desk. And two hours after I'm home from church, he's smacking it around. And carrying it around in his mouth. Right? So I don't drink the cup. But the verse says, as long as you drink this cup but, but and eat this bread. Didn't Jesus at one point ask for the cup to uh, be what? taken from him? Right. So does the cup mean that? And it also means, yeah, yeah that's exactly that right. When he said that, was it really to take it? Take this cup, meaning if you if you will take my in his you human know, nature, it was a terror for I him to go to the cross. Sure, sure you, you, you go perform what I did it anyway. Right. And so, but he also told his disciples, he said, he said, are you able to drink of this cup? And he said, you will. <laughs> right now you're not able, but you will. And so the cup is a picture of the death, the death to self, the death to the world, the willingness to follow the Father in obedience. The suffering and the pain involved with being a child of God. And that cup, when we drink that cup, we're not just remembering that Jesus died for us. It's, that's the main theme. But we're also remembering that we're now to die to self and to live for Him. For because before us, we drink the wine, what are we supposed to do? Confess our sins, right? right? Exactly. We're supposed to die to self. Yes. For a lot of us in addiction, you know, drinking of the cup is, is way better than what we've been in. I mean, even some folks, it might be hard to sacrifice. We didn't have anything to sacrifice. We were living in the gutter. I mean, the, just the privilege 
of being amongst God's people and being able to drink from that cup and eat that bread and the gift of faith brought me out of such a dark, horrible place. And a lot of us out of are coming out of that place. So for me, it's a privilege and a gift. Sure. And the the reality is, is that baptism you speak to that same message that then because you died with Christ, were buried, and now you've been raised again a new person. Yeah. So you left that old life in the past. Whatever comes at me now is yeah. still better so, than what I faced back. These now. are all things that Jesus has given us, that God has given us, so that we can know Him. And what this lesson is teaching us is to rest in those things, be still, and know that I'm God. Rest in His Word. Rest in the at my church. I'm thankful we we have communion every week. I love it. We we do it every Sunday, and it's beautiful. The cat loves it too. Yeah, you better believe the cat loves it. I bring home a cup every week, and and at our church, the way that we do our communion is, um, uh, they start in the back, and everybody gets out of their chairs, and they come forward in front of everybody else. You see all of the people who are professing believers, and all of those who say that they are walking with Christ, they come forward. And you sit there and you see all of your brothers and sisters go before you and they take that cup and they take that bread and then we sit down and we all take it together. And it's a reminder every week. Both at the same time, yeah, both we take them both at the same yeah. time and they go sit down. And it's a lot faster than having the elders come around pass around. Like I, I, It really is. And the other cool thing is is that the women in our church bake the bread every week and they have a recipe. It's unleavened bread and it, and it don't taste like them little old crackers with the cross on them. But it, it tastes like real bread but not tasty bread it tastes like untasty bread <laughs> but and they use real wine at our church god forbid you know and they have some grape juice on the outside for those who want to refrain from drinking wine but i look forward to that every week and the reality is is there's a lot of conviction that goes on in my own life when he finishes that sermon he says okay now we're going to turn to the table and now it's time for me to think about all of the times this last week that i failed him that I've, I've given in, given in to my lust, that I've given in to my own desires, that I've given in to my sinful nature instead of walking with Him. And it's a reminder every week for me to bow my head and say, God, I'm thankful that you had mercy on a sinner like me, and please give me the strength and willingness not to walk the way that I have walked and get, help me to walk closer to you. In our church, when the elders, like you were talking about, when, when those men come down, and line up to bring it to us. For me, I'm so grateful that those men have chosen this role to be there for us mm-hmm. when we need them to watch over us, you know, protect us, guide us. So for me, seeing the elders come down the aisle and do that for us is really quite moving. And I wouldn't have it any other. I mean, I, I wouldn't yeah. want it. I, 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 there's a plenty of leadway in. in, in yeah, in, in, I, I love that part of it. Though. But communion itself, being a means of grace, is like you said, it, it's a, it forces us. To reflect. Yes. On sin. Yes. And every week, if you do it every week, again, it's a weekly. Reflection. And again, I want to say, so a couple of things that I want to take from this lesson we learned today. Number one, we be still and know that he's God. We trust in him and rest in his work, not ours. He has given us these means of grace to do just that. When I start making my Bible study a labor or something that I'm using to to puff up my knowledge of what I know, then I've stopped being a means of grace then. It's a means of merit. It's, it's me doing something. It's a distraction. Same way with when it comes to prayer. And next week when we get back together, we'll talk, we're will going to be in Luke 11, and he's going to give us instruction in prayer. That will be another means of grace that we talk about. But remember, a means of grace is things that God has done to get to us. 
not things that we do to get to Him. Say that again. The means of grace are the things that God has given to us so that we can know Him. The Word of God, prayer, uh, preaching the Word, communion, uh, baptism. These are things that God has given us so that we can know Him. But what you say, but not. But they are not things that we do to get to Him. Because grace is a gift, and if I if it if it's a work, if grace is something that I work, yeah. right, then it's a merit. Then it's no longer a gift; it's a merit. It's something I'm earning. So when I start taking my Bible study, my prayer, my going to church and listening to the preaching, my taking communion, when I start using those things in an attitude that I'm doing this to get closer to God, then it is now changed from a means of grace to a means of merit. I am no longer being still and knowing that he's God. You're working. I'm I'm doing something. That makes sense. Striving, like you said. Okay. Let's close with a quick word of prayer. Father, thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for sending your son Jesus to save us. Thank you for the means of grace that you have given us. Um, I pray that each and every one of us in this room can take something from this lesson today, that we can learn to rest in you and you alone, that we can be thankful when we sit under the preaching of the word. We can be thankful when we read your word. We can be thankful when we take communion. Uh, We can be thankful when we have the privilege to pray to you. And so please be with us now in these coming hours and uh, this coming week. Help everyone here to love you, to know you, and uh, to share that love and knowledge of you with others. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.